I got to talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Biggie. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, that is right. It is October 10th. We are live. And I'm sitting here a little bit, a little emotional. I'm a little emotional right now because as we speak, my Orioles are about to, on the brink of elimination and down 6-0 as we speak. But I am excited just a little bit because I have two brothers with me who have been, I would say, friends of the podcast now for just about over a year. And really, really two brothers I respect considerably when it comes to baseball. I love talking baseball with both Alex and Clinton, all of them in the ESPN family, all of them in that Anscape type world. But honestly, just two good brothers that love talking baseball at any time. Yates, I mean, Alex, I always going to mess it up, but Hyacinth. You got it. You know, I you got it. it. Oh, I got it. it. I've been working on this. it. My, but more, it. more importantly, my guy, uh, I'm going to start with Alex because I owe you an apology. Uh-oh. I do. Because Uh-oh. as when the season started, I thought I was ready for fantasy baseball. Alex sends me the link. And I'm going to tell you, oh, I was man. not ready nah, this season damn. for fantasy baseball. The champ. I, I was not ready. Like, they take fantasy baseball to a whole new level. This I'm man gonna... complains about his fantasy baseball bro, in the work chats, bro. bro All right. I'm out here drafting Alex Manoa. I don't know what's Listen, happening. I had him in the league. I had him in the league. That I didn't know what happened. Wow. Uh, Alex, Clinton, brothers, how are y'all feeling, man? How are y'all doing? It's been it's been a long time, but great to see you. Alex, after you? I'm doing good, man. Um, We are, we are uh, rocking along steady. ESPN Daily Podcast. Clinton joined us uh, earlier this month, well, I guess in September. And he's going to be joining us again in November. A lot of fun. Um, kind of stepping into the third era there. And really excited, man. They're taking on more leadership on the podcast and, and just really looking forward to what's to come down the line. Man. Clinton, what's up with you? I'm chilling, man. You know, this is our busy season, even though some, I mean, Cheech is out here in full HD focus portrait mode. Like, you know, like he he's like he's in, he's like in he's like a scene in belly. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Like, like full height, height Williams. You know Before it goes to color. We're Before just, it goes to color. We're, we're extras in New Jack City. You know what I'm saying? Out here getting turkeys in the cold. That's who we are. You know what I'm saying? I'm like looking at this. I'm like, what are we doing? Anyway, um, things are going well. It's busy season for us. And uh, and by us, I mean all of us. You know what I mean? Playoff baseball time, when it comes down to when it matters, people arguing about formats and Certain teams just having problems getting it together, and it's it's always the most interesting time of year for this season for me. I well, feel like I feel like that format argument went when a little got a little bit quieter yesterday when Austin Riley uh, caught that mm. caught that fastball or hanging slider mm. or whatever it was. Suddenly there was a whole contingent of fans not complaining about the playoff format anymore. Yeah, yeah. But but that look that is a question. We might as well we might as well not bury the lead here. Let's talk about. All of the hoopla surrounding the playoff format and surrounding uh, these 100-win teams for basically the second year in a row, in a lot of ways, either not delivering or teetering here. So is there something to, as a, as a baseball fan that's followed the entire season, is there something to that argument that some of these division champions are out of rhythm? Would you like me to go first? 
Yes, sir. Mu I have much to say about it. Yes, Mr. Yates. The floor is yours. Okay, so there's a couple different things about this. Number one is that, look, the bottom line is that the point of the baseball season is not just to recreate a simulation in which after a certain amount of time, you just crown whomever has decided that they were going to be at the top when you stopped and move right along. The fun part about what baseball is, is the tournament. That, that's literally why they call them the playoffs. And it's quite genuinely what we look forward to. And so now that these major market sort of fan bases have kind of hijacked I don't want to use the word narrative, but like now that we have the internet and these bigger fan bases sort of discuss things as if they have some sort of divine right to the championship routes, you're like, well, hold on. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. This is why we play the games quite literally. And so this idea of, oh, we've got to reseed. It's not fair to the top seeds. The advantage is you're the better team. That, that's the advantage you get. That, that's the whole point. Forget the numbers. If you're better, you're better. What are you worried about? And I say this, and I said this on Twitter today. If you really want to make it fair in the context of whatever, sure. If you win and you get a number one or number two seed, you get to pick if you go to the wild card. You want to you give another mm. team. You want to give another team a buy. Be my guest. You just have to pick another team. And they replace you. And if you need all of this momentum and you need to play all this baseball, then you get to play the wild card. And if you lose, you're finished. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like nobody would say yes to that because that doesn't make sense. So all these arguments for format, I just find to be foolhardy and sour grapes from people that are used to getting what they want, whether it's baseball or the rest of life. That's just me. Alex, let me ask you, because you're a Mets fan. So this is something that now has has – really kind of taken hold of your world in the last two seasons. Let's not forget what happened last year in the playoffs and yep. this year, what seems to be brewing in certain circles, not every circle. What do, what do you think about all the hoopla about the, the format and who gets the rest and if the rest helps? I think it's a lot of noise. Um, it is weird. I'll, I'll put it that way. It is weird because outside of the all-star break and the unforeseen rain out, it's very rare for a major league team to take two days off let alone three over the course of a season. And, you know, baseball is a sport that's built on fast twitch muscles and you want to stay in rhythm and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know the advantage you get in being able to set your rotation the way you want to set the advantage you get in being able to forget the starting pitchers, give your bullpen arms a couple yeah. days off so that they're ready. Cause that's what playoff baseball is. Nobody's really outside of a couple of pitchers. Nobody's really looking but to get 12 outs or so from their starter in the postseason. And so the advantage you gain there, you think would be not insurmountable, but like that, that's a significant advantage, but I get it, man. Like hitters aren't used to having three days off, four days off between games. Um, and when you win a division, when you're a hundred win team, not only do you face that, but you face the reality that you spend the last 10 days of the season, sometimes more kind of playing in an environment where you've already clinched and you may be, I don't want to say anybody's giving away at bats, but you know, it's hard to get yourself up over a 162 game season. Um, let alone when you already know that you've locked down your spot. So I get it, but God giveth and God taketh away, man. Like once you get on the ball, once you get on the field, you got, you, you got to play and losing game one doesn't send you home either. So, you know, 
some teams we've seen teams in this tournament um, kind of drop game one and bounce back pretty strong. So it is what it is. It, it, whatever keeps X moving and uh, free for the course of the day has my support. It's interesting too, because you'd mentioned the setting up the pitchers and of this whole thing, I don't hear as much as I think I should about kind of the way that, especially with the wild card series, both being all of them being sweeps, it really did allow the pitching rotations, especially those back ends of the pitching rotations, set up in a way that was almost equal, right? Like parallel for the teams. I think, Clinton, you're right. You're the better team. And I never heard it presented that way, which is if you gave any of those teams a choice, whether they would play in the first round or pass, they're all going to pass. I think they're all going to pass to get the buy, get the extra rest, and set up their rotations. With that said, let's take it to LA. You've been there the last two nights, yeah. and I mean, pitching is such a a twenty. The art of pitching in twenty twenty three is so different than what it was, let alone ten years ago. You know what I mean? So it, it, I'm looking at starting pitching and trying to figure out what what is a quality start in 2023 and how much do you want to get out of it and i'm thinking about when i was growing up and seeing guys seeing guys take the ball and they're going into the seventh eighth and the ninth and i knew i mean the guy hit the home run but i knew zach wheeler i saw zach when zach wheeler and those guys were dealing uh the other day you you knew it was only a matter of time they were waiting to zach wheeler out and i'm like that would never happen if it was a series I was growing up with, uh, you were in the environment in LA. Obviously, you, you you've seen the last few days, but I want you to weigh in on two things. One, the the starting pitching and and kind of what is pitching, especially starting pitching in twenty twenty three. But also, we have to kind of fold it back to Kershaw. And do we just think that it, it, for for Kershaw is this just a mental thing or is this something different? Oh, I mean. I, we'll start with Kershaw and I don't mean to be flip here, but I mean, there's a reason why Kershaw is on a one-year deal, you know, this year and why that's been the case, you know, for a little bit in terms of, you know, what his future is. I, I think with, with Kershaw, that's kind of an example of, you know, what is, what is the starting pitcher right now and separately, but correlated the Dodgers have had a very specific scenario this year with their starting pitching between all of the injuries, all the players that have gone down um, they're, They've been forced to bring up a bunch of rookies. And so the way that that's translated to their specific NLDS series, you know, sort of weight or not, I think has been different from what they expected um, to begin with this season. As for Kirsch, you know, the Dodgers are in a very difficult spot because there has been so much grace and deference given to Clayton Kershaw as a human being, mm-hmm. never mind as a pitcher that. I, I mean, I would go so far as to say there's probably three to four instances in the last five seasons or that's gotten in the way. And I don't mean that in terms of just uh, playoff starts where it's just, okay, well, Clayton's here. So he's going to do what he wants to do. I wouldn't have started him in game one. Um, I talked about this at length locally here on radio about the difference between him and Bobby Miller. Now, Bobby got shelled a little bit last mm-hmm. night. Um, we were there, but I also thought that that was a function as much of, well, you put the rookie in or the higher pressure situation. I wouldn't have done that. I would have put the rookie in in game one in a circumstance in which you kind of have one to give and you can thus sort of lay back on your guy who is your typical starter in terms of what you're used to with Clayton Kershaw. I'm getting too far into the weeds on the Dodgers specifically, but as for pitching this this 
these days, what's a quality start? I, I think it all depends on philosophy. And I think a lot of philosophies people are learning that, yeah, the math works out in order for you to do something to a certain point, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the whole thing. And that's what the Dodgers are learning. That's what teams like, I don't know, Tampa Bay learned when they lost to the Dodgers, where it's like, hey, okay with the formula. At some point, you got to play baseball because if you look at what's in front of you, if you rely too much on the formula, it's going to let you down. And the last thing I'll say is this. Before game one, Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager, he admitted, he said he's might he might have relied a little too much on numbers, on hmm. being proactive as opposed to being reactive. Unfortunately, that is what ended up with him in the position of putting Clayton Kershaw in game one. He's just thinking a little too much about what, you know, could be. And as a result, they ended up getting shelled. But I do think there's something to be said for that's changing a lot. But I also think there is a return to the curve where people are like, hey, the numbers are not going to work out just because that's what they look like. We still got to win some baseball games. The Texas Rangers would be a great example. Hate to say it. Hate to say it. Alex, what do you make of the uh, the pitching, specifically in the playoffs as well? Because it does seem right now, it does slant a little bit more to the data situation where it's like, all right, no matter what the scenario is, I mean, is it the uh, that Blue Jays Twins game in the uh, wild card oh. round is a great example right. of hey, this guy is mo like mowing him down, but the numbers say take him out, so we're going to take him out. Well, I mean, we saw that with Blake Snell in the in the what World Series a couple of years back. I was talking about yeah. You know, there's five, ten years ago, there's not a manager on earth that would have pulled him out of that game. Yeah. Um, wh what's interesting to me about this is. If you look at the Dodgers bullpen from the moment that Emmett Sheehan left game two, so he, he, uh, game one, he replaced mm -hmm. Kershaw. Yep. He got rocked. He came in with men on base. It is what it is. Their bullpen has given up three earned runs over 14 plus innings. So it's not even like the pen didn't do the job. The Sheehan situation, I take with a grain of salt. You come into the game with one out and multiple men on against a good playoff team, you know, a fly ball and whatever knocks in a couple runs. I would have expected Dave Roberts to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, I know it was Clayton Kershaw out there, but this is a guy that's been managing in the postseason every year for it feels like the last decade. It has been the last decade. Yeah. So this is this guy knows how playoff baseball works. It's 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 little league baseball. You remember in the little league days when like the starting pitcher would go three innings and then somebody else would come in and somebody else. That's the style. Now I got a little bit spoiled. A couple times the Mets got to make a playoff run because when you're talking peak Harvey, peak DeGrom, peak Syndergaard, those guys get into the seventh inning. Mm -hmm. But if you look around, the Astros, the Red Sox during their day, the Dodgers, those are teams that had no problems. Tampa going and getting their starter after 9, 10, 11, 12 outs and saying it's a bullpen day. We're going to get these last outs with a, a parade of guys throwing 98 out of the bullpen or some crazy kind of slider. So – I don't know, like how when it comes to sports these days, I kind of have given up on the how I feel about it and look at the what works because, you know, these games are all evolving and, and you know, you could shake your fist at the sky all you want. That's not going to make them change their approach. And so, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Let me ask you this, though, because it's interesting that you say we, we would look at kind of what works and I do get it. Uh, one of the things that is, to me, that has always worked tried and true in the test of time in baseball is moving runners over. And one of the things that I've seen throughout this entire playoffs is you might have a runner on first and second and no outs. These guys do not square around and lay down bunts. No. 
I haven't seen a bunt in a while. And I'm sitting, I don't know if it's shaking my fist, yelling at the sun, but I'm sitting here saying, move the guy over, get him to second and third with one out, and try to manufacture a run. What is happening to the art of just bunting the ball and moving the guys? Do, do we have Clint? What do you got? You got something for him? Yesterday, somebody on that were yep. bunting in the second inning, Playboy. They right. were uh, laying it down. Great, and they're winning. You know what I mean? That's a All great example. Three but. runs on the road. The Diamondbacks were bunting right. yesterday. I'm with no, your point here, Chief. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was more is, universal. Yes, you are right. I am with you. Guys are not in the business of manufacturing runs, okay? But the Diamondbacks have been doing this, jumping on the Dodgers early, matriculating the ball around the bases, as we like to say. I, listen, <laughs> again, again, it's right here, okay? No, you're, no, you're exactly right. There I'm exactly right. I was... say sack bunt, moving <laughs> runners. I use it in ink because I know what I'm doing so I can press it with the eraser. It doesn't go anywhere. Anyway, my but point it, but, is, but, is that, yes. You're, you're exactly right. You're Ravello exactly right probably deserves some manager of the year awards because he's playing actual baseball out there. And a lot of these teams, they think that you can just plug in what you do in the regular season is just going to eventually apply and it's worth the numbers. No, it's tournament baseball. If you've got the skills, played to win the game in front of you. That's what upsets me most about how most managers manage games these days is that whether it's between their front office or who they are, it's always just playing the numbers. I I'm like playing the numbers matters when you're thinking of a theoretical concept over 162. When you're playing against a team in front of you, you've got to know the skill set of your players versus the opponents you have on the field. And unfortunately, not enough of that happens. But yes, that's a way to make sure that you can you make sure you get the most out of your talent. At least do the small things. At the that's very why, least, do the small things. You know, that's why that's Houston. Just, that's why Houston is in the dance every year, right? Like nope. Dusty Baker knows. All right, you lose four out of five in July. It, it's not the end of the world. You lose four out of five in October. Your ass is going home, and so right. you need to to have somebody that is at least open to making the decisions based on what they're seeing, based on gut instinct. Because you got to win these games, man. Arizona's fun. Um, it's also, like you said, it's tournament baseball. Like, we've just seen this case after case, year after year. The regular season's about getting there, and it's just a different style of baseball. And I think the takeaway is, like, well, you got to you got to get in a tournament. You get in a tournament and you get hot. You get a couple guys out of the pen that are shutting people down and somebody that hits a couple of bombs during a, a series, and boom, like, you're, you're on to the next round. So it's got to all be, you know, you got to consider all angles. You got to – you got to – it's your last day on earth, but you also got to be willing to kind of shake the mold that got you there. You guys are bringing up a good point and one that I think of, but I'll ask you both uh, two, two part question for you. How important are these managers, especially in the playoffs with, with all that we just talked about. And then two of the teams that are in the field now, who do you think are the most important managers? I think, I think, I mean, I think the managers are hugely important because you've got to be strategic and you've got to be managing, you know, with your hair on fire right now. And the thing about it is you only really get a sense on how important the managers are when they do something dumb and it costs their team the game. When the manager, when they do it the right way, it's, it's, it's like a referee when he's calling a good game, you don't even notice that they're there and you think, okay, it's just the ball players doing it. But there's a reason that, they go to the bullpen at a certain time or they play a certain matchup or they play a certain instinct. And when it all comes together in a successful way, you don't even realize that they're managing. 
I would say that the best part about that analogy is that you don't realize that they're managing, but that's also not, that's not a template team to team. That that's the sign of a good manager that, you know, that no matter what your team does well, okay, that's what they do. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to cut over to a show Walter making a face, you know what I mean? In order for them to get, in order to get them to, and I'm not even being flip here, Alex, you know right. what I'm in order to get them to understand what's going on. It's that, the manage is the operative word right. uh, in, in manager is that if the system runs smoothly and there's a philosophy and people know what's expected of them as opposed to, okay, you just play with your eyeballs lit up and then I take you out when you're done. I don't, I don't believe in that method of, of managing. And I think you saw it a little bit in Atlanta um, when Spencer Strider came out, you know, he's going not exactly face to face, but you know, having a full blown conversation, um, you know, with his coaches and with his manager about like, Hey, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, if, I, if, I, if we're this close and I'm this good, we're in the seven. Why, why am I coming out? That's what you don't want. And I feel that a lot of managers have been given an unnecessary, I don't want to say stamp of disapproval because they feel like people feel like they're too in line with the front office. But I do feel that it has taken a little bit away from managers. But at the same time, there's a lot of managers that wouldn't be managing if they weren't relying on numbers and if they were just using their eyeballs, you know what I mean, in order to make decisions. Those guys are done because those guys don't exist anymore because that's just too risky of a way to way to manage. And they don't that's not supported anymore. And that's what I was that's what I was kind of alluding to as well, because, you, you, the, you know, guys that you mentioned, Dusty Baker, Dave Roberts. I mean, obviously, there's no seat that's 100 percent safe, but I, I feel like those guys have a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of ability to put their imprint on the game, right? All right. The, the Dodgers get swept by Arizona. They're going to be calling for Dave Roberts' head, man. They chasing after him every, every Let me tell you what. We're talking about <laughs> 10 out of 11 in terms of division titles in years, and yep. we got one ring. I'm not advocating for Doc to get fired, but I've been telling Los Angeles for a while, what does it take? Like, what are y'all, y'all, y'all here for divisions or y'all here for titles? Because last time I checked, all I hear is it's World Series or bust, but it'd be busting nine out of ten times. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what are we talking about here? I do think there's a question about whether or not Dave Roberts, nice guy or not, one of the, you know, iconic managers we have in our game specifically for, for our people. That's one thing. I'm not saying Dave, Dave shouldn't be a manager in the big leagues, but what I'm saying is that the Dodgers, for example, are a team that needs to understand their relationship with their manager a little bit better in order to be realistic about what their goals are versus what they can actually execute. And it's so, it's just so it's not like, it's not football, right? Like a year ago there were, there was rumors about Kyle Shanahan being sent out of San Francisco. Like has, had he run out of time and you're talking about a team that it feels like gets to the NFC championship game every year. You fire Kyle Shanahan, he's getting hired. He's getting, if you fire Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, he's getting snapped up in 15 seconds right. and making a difference where he lands in baseball. Like you said, Clinton, the way a manager functions and operate is so much more subtle that, um, you know, you, you, you think you don't feel the impact until suddenly you're missing the impact. And that's the, that's the equation you got to take with a guy like Dave Roberts. Could the next guy come in? I mean, they've got infinite resources. They're going to be knocking on the door. They're always going to have the best players. Could the next guy come in and get over the hump? Is it the managing? Is it just Freddie Freeman got hot at the right time? I mean, that, that, that's what baseball is. You're going to lose 70% right. of the time. So it's uh, when that 30% kicks in that, that makes it work. What's the update? Hold on. What's the update on the O's cheats? What's going on? Yeah. You're, making, you're making me pain. Top of the fifth, 6-0, two outs, uh, wow. runner on second. It's not looking good. He, uh, 
Evaldi's still in. Yeah, Evaldi's looking locked in, bro. He's only got yeah. 62 pitches. He's got two yeah. out in the fifth. Some of yeah. us have seen Evaldi make incredible, incredible relief appearances yeah. in World Series games. By some of us, I mean me. <laughs> when he went, what, seven innings or whatever in the in that extra inning game in Los Angeles? That was yeah. crazy. But You ever I mean, noticed, you know, you know what I was thinking about? Not to take us too far. You ever no, noticed no, no. how it's the same, like, dozen players in the postseason every year? And I don't yeah. even like studs. <laughs> It's like the same. Why is Robbie Grossman in the postseason every again. year? Like again, it's the same relievers, it's the same role players, and they do the same thing every October. It's a guy that was hitting 222 all year, and he goes three for four in game six, and you know, sends the team home. It's it's Bang. right. It's, no. it's a wild. whole different skill set. That's why. So who's been the most impressive team to you so far uh in the postseason? Impressive. You you start. Go ahead. I'll start. I'll I'll say Texas. I mean, I hate to be this no, way, no, but you know, there was a lot of discussion about not a lot of discussion, but the question about who the AL manager of the year was going to be. Well, obviously Brandon Hyde with the O's has done a yeah. great job. They've turned it around yeah. incredibly. But like, don't sleep on Boach. All right, old man Boach walked into that clubhouse. They were not supposed to be nothing. Then they turned out to be a disappointment because they lost the division and they're in the playoffs anyway. And there's a little bit of a ball don't lie element to what they're doing where they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, by the way, we still have one of the better run differentials in the league all year in case you forgot. You know what I'm saying? The wins might not have been there. Our pitching might have fallen apart from an injury standpoint. I am extremely impressed with the Rangers, Um, you know, sort of opponent aside. And, you know, listen, I know you got your O's. Cheats. Yeah, yeah. AL East, baby. The I'm Rangers, not, not the Rangers mad, will run through the like, AL East. I am impressed with the Rangers and the job that they've done putting together that team and managing to actually, you know, make some make some noise, if you will, in the playoffs. Yeah, it's 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 the Rangers. Um if you if you if I told if I told you in April that the Rangers would give up the farm for Max Scherzer down the stretch, yeah. And, throw the kind of money they threw at Jacob DeGrom and neither of them would be on the mound in the postseason and they'd be about to head towards the ALCS uh, in, in a sweep year, um, their second sweep, like you, you'd think I was a liar. Um, but I think Clint hit that really well. I'm going to give Arizona some love, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. Their, their, win, their win's on the road in Milwaukee, clutch, super clutch, and they're beating up on a team they finished 17-something games behind in the regular season – who's owned them for since Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling were on the mound. Like this Diamondbacks team is fun. They're so young and you know, it's a city that, that wants something to root for. I know the Suns are good, but um, are the Coyotes even a team anymore in the NHL? Wow. I don't even know if they're around. Wow. Um, they don't play. They only play in a college, you know, rank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Arizona and Arizona state kind of got plucky over the weekend. So yeah. It's it, 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 it's fire. My favorite team is 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 Minnesota, and that's because they've got my favorite player in this why team. Is, yeah, why is that? Tell the me. Young why boy, Ro- the young boy, the young boy Royce Lewis is fun to watch. Royce Lewis can mm. play, dog. He's, He's so good. Ball. He's so good. It's it's fun yeah. to see somebody taken at the top of the draft, and like, yep. you know, Hunter Green took a lot of the shine out of that draft, and and Hunter, you know, I think we all know what he's got. Um, it's yeah. just about putting it all together. Royce was, you know, right there. In fact, I think he was the number one pick. And, and he was the number one overall pick in the draft, right? Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, yeah. he was. Yeah. He also entered the draft as a two-way player, but I think they said enough with the pitching. We need you in the field. I might be wrong here. I'll have to fact check that later. 
But man, those two home runs he hit in that first playoff game in a city that hasn't won a playoff game since George W. Bush starved. was starved. Like, yeah. dude, starved yeah. in the Vikings, and, and that, like that was that was that was dope. And I don't know if he's going to do anything else the rest of the postseason, but that was enough. Well, and the best jerseys in the postseason, those home twins. Well, those, those uniforms are amazing. Those hats, like when they came out with the new uniforms at the beginning of this year. I will say this about Lewis. Lewis has always been a baller. Lewis yeah, just had yeah. to get right. When Lewis, when Lewis is right, he is a he can play. He is is really really uh just an an amazing athlete. Like you know what I mean. Really good player. He can do it all. It's just one of those things where he had to get healthy, right? Yeah. And baseball's not, really. not baseball's not microwave. It's not built for the kind of take economy, right? Like it's very rare that you get a Miguel Cabrera or an Albert Pujols who kicks the door in and just never stops hitting until they go to the Hall of Fame. It takes guys time, you know, to adjust. And and I know I think Lewis is also pretty pretty open about like his you know some of his confidence waned a bit during during those some of those darker times. But he's just he's gotten up. I mean he he's a really really good player. Two quick notes: one, the Orioles are now on the board. It is six one. I was just gonna say your Baltimore accent is so much harder core. It is it is. Full uh, no, effect. We're, 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 we're on. We're on. We're on the board. Uh, the other thing is, as much as I love Bochi, and, and I want to ask you about there. Like, obviously, it has to be high, right? As the AL, like high. I just read a stat. Um, I just read a stat today. I think in an article that I, I'm sure I didn't know, but they said Hyde is the first manager since Connie Mack, who oh, lost, no. who lost, who was there to to lose back to back a hundred. 100 lost seasons yeah. and still be there and trust the, you know, the organization trusted him, whether it was finance related or, or not, but trusted him there to win a hundred games. So the only, and, and like they said, Connie Mack with like what the Philadelphia A's owned the team. So they weren't going to fire him. So he was there for like 18 seasons. There's no, they, there's no, they, <laughs> Connie, Mack, wears Connie Mack owned the team. He wore so suits was, and a high top, right. and a, you know, like a, like a Lincoln hat. So he, he was, was out. He was there he was for like 18 seasons. Look it up, kids. It's yeah, real. He, he was there know? for 18 seasons, so he wasn't going anywhere. But Hyde is the only manager that have lost back-to-back 100, uh, 100 games in a season and now has won 100 games. So uh, it's got to be Hyde. He's been through it through the long haul. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I get that he's been through it. But, like, if you show up and you get swept by Boach and them, like <laughs> – what is so? What is Great. it? Be- because war, we, you know, because we did talk about Bochi and we mentioned Dusty Baker. What is it with these organizations? I mean, like Bochi maybe was a little bit different than the reclamation project that Dusty Baker had to take on, but it was also like, let's get this guy and bring him in to lead. The- like, what is it about these sage, uh, sage managers? If you, because I mean, I mean, obviously Buck uh, Showalters, he's. I was just saying he's sixty-seven years old. Dusty Baker's in his 70s. I don't know how old Bruce Bochy is. Bruce Bochy is older than Dusty, I believe. But I is mean, really? this is the function of guys that, when they've been around the game, were yeah. good dudes. I mean, Chris Young, you know, the Rangers GM, he played for Boch. And yeah. so when it came down to it, he was like, I'm getting Boch. Like, I want my granddad here. You know, I, I don't think it has to be much more complicated than that in terms of why guys continue to get jobs in scenarios where people who feel that they can't take risks don't want to take risks. I mean, Bochy's been around. You know what I mean? They know that in various parts of California. Never mind, um, you know, what's going on in Texas. So I think there was a little bit of familiarity there that was not dissimilar to uh, Dusty. You're right. Dusty was obviously putting out a fire 
Yeah. But I do believe that Boach was not dissimilar where they were like, all right, well, we don't have any option. Let's go back to the old man. And I say that respectfully, meaning like the one person we can rely on, you know what I mean? In our lives. That's where Chris Young is thinking about this from. And, and it's worked out. I mean, I remember being at the winter meetings when they first ran into each other. They did their presser together. Dusty and Boach, these two dudes dressed like, you know, wild hogs four or whatever, you know, it was <laughs> unbelievable, but it worked out. Guess who's still managing in the playoffs and guess who's not. You know what I mean? It's yeah. pretty pretty wild to see. We get robbed of the ability to see these guys in their street clothes because they wear their, their uniforms on the sideline. So smooth. Dusty, Dusty's, Dusty's making some rounds there. Dusty put that thing on the other yeah, day. Yeah, wow. Dusty's yeah. looking amazing out there. Yo. Yo, the, I do want to go back to Hyde for a quick yeah. second. Tampa was 20-3. and three. Yep. Tampa was, at the end of May – Tampa was 40 and 18 at the end of June. Tampa was 57 and 28 and Baltimore won that division going away. Yep. Dave Hyde, like hell of a job. Um, we, we, we spoke about it, man. Bochi knows how to manage baseball games and he, he probably knows how to use the data in a way that shuts the guys upstairs up and keeps them quiet, but also kind of works to his advantage. Um, Texas is humming. And it's going to be interesting to see if they run out of gas, um, if they face Houston, what that looks like. But, I mean, they're humming. They, they haven't lost a game yet. And, you know, I, I know you're wishing for a different outcome, but they're looking good tonight. <laughs> looks pretty good tonight. Looks pretty good tonight. <laughs> Gentlemen, hey, let me ask you this, because we're, we're a little bit past a half an hour in, and I'd be remiss if on the Black Baseball Mixtape I didn't ask you about this, so you probably will know that it's coming. Uh We've had, I think, one of the more exciting, and it could be just me. It's it's one of those things where uh, now that you're kind of in it and you're talking baseball every day and you're talking baseball with people that are new and you're talking baseball with our people who, who may not have known that you were a baseball guy, but when they found out that everybody wants to have a baseball conversation. So I say this with a grain of salt, but I think that we have, you know, kind of capped off one of the more exciting baseball seasons, whether it be the rule changes, whether it be more stolen bases, whether it be Acuna and Betts, it's just been an exciting 162 regular season games. Uh, I've had more conversations with our community, black community, black culture and baseball than I ever had uh, in any season up until this point. And so I do want to ask you gentlemen from not only a player standpoint, but as a fan conversation barbershop standpoint, where do you feel the state of black baseball is right now? Alex, you can go first. I love what I'm seeing on the, the I'm not going to say grassroots level, but the youth level. The HBCU Invitational is huge. The um, Hank Aaron Invitational is huge. Um, it seems like there's a serious push, or it seems like Major League Baseball attempt at pushing uh, the youngsters in this country, young black men in this country to pursue baseball is paying off a little bit. And um, it's just, it's the hardest sport to make it to the league. Um, even if you're a number one draft pick, you're going to be in the minors for a while. And then once you get to the league, there's no guarantee of, of, of success. Failure is baseball. So I, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm excited. It was weird around here because the Mets and the Yankees were so bad so early in the season that a lot of the conversation kind of like, shifted away from the game. So I'm not going to say at the barbershop level or, you know, at, at the local grassroots level, 
But one thing I've seen and continue to see is the amount of diversity when you do go to the ballpark. You go to City Field, you go to Yankee Stadium, there's all kinds of faces, and a lot of those faces are black and brown people. And so I know that in New York, there's still a lot of interest in, in our community about the game right now. Excuse me for yawning. I was waking up before from a nap because I was watching uh, baseball. But I think that, Alex, to your point, I'll piggyback on that a little bit. And I'll say that it's not just about like sort of what we see in the in the box scores or even what we see in the highlights. But what, what it's gone to for me in the last year, year and a half, and I'll throw the World Baseball Classic in with this um, in terms of things that this year have gotten people a little bit more so on the baseball you know, bandwagon for lack of a better term is that people have gone from asking me what happened to all the brothers to, Oh, what's up with that brother? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And like that alone to me is an indication because I've talked to y'all about this all the time. I could not stand how every single time I felt like I was answering a question. It was where are the black people at? Where mm-hmm. it is where it? I'm like, bro, I've been telling you all about these bamas for God knows how many years, you know what I mean? Could you finally start paying attention? And now I feel like there's a little bit more of an awareness just sort of in the culture about, Oh yeah. What's going on with him? Which is a better question than I have no idea who this person is. That is what that has been what's advanced um, to me, you know, in this year. Cedric Mullins, for example, for the Orioles is the kind of guy that I'm thinking of. There was a time when nobody knew who Cedric Mullins was, even when he made an all star team, plays for Team USA. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, yeah, who's that brother in center field in Baltimore? You're like, right. That, that, that is really where the next step is for me. It's not just about you know, all the different progress that could be made on the field in terms of awards, in terms of God knows what, but general awareness amongst people of there's probably a brother on every team as the work that Chiefs does well points out that you could pay attention to and follow if you wanted to. And I feel like the average baseball fan, black folks aside, is more aware of that these days. Baltimore puts brothers, center field, black center fielders into the World Baseball Classic, man. Bro, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. I, I do think from and, – and it, it probably is exactly what you said, Clinton, as well. From the World Baseball Classic on, I started hearing so many more people just kind of figuring out, like, what is this? Why are people caring so much about this? Yeah. And, and you know, so, you know I, I just hate to say – I mean, I would love to say it, actually. That, that pool in the WBC that went down to Miami <laughs> – that pool, whether look, whether you like if you were just a fan, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, if you were a fan of the game and you saw this brand of baseball, um, that I think obviously our people play well, but you saw this brown of this brand of baseball that everybody was excited that was paying attention. Everybody was excited about the brand of baseball. And then I do think you carried it a little bit on to some of the things, like you said, uh, Alex was saying about Major League Baseball was doing, whether it was through the All-Star break or just like really making just making things a little bit more exciting. And I, I will kind of go with this as well. It, it was a matter of time. Clinton, Clinton has been saying these guys are coming. These players are coming. They're here. They're coming. And they're so freaking cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like I've got a nine-year-old son and – you know, Mookie Betts is cool, right? Like, Tim Anderson, for him, is cool. Not to mention Jazz Chisholm is cool. Ronald Acuna is cool. Like, there's just so many players that I do think there's a little bit more of you're starting to see their personalities. You're starting to see that coolness. You're starting to see that swag. So now, as opposed to, you know, 
us just kind of burying baseball on the back burner, even for a preseason football game. Now you've got talking heads, if you will, that don't nearly have as that do not have nearly as much experience as Clinton Yates on mainstream media making you know making baseball declarations that are getting baseball fans like, where have Awful you been? Takes, by the way, <laughs> Awful takes. I'm not but, gonna put nobody on black. No, no, come on, son. But come the on, fact son. that the conversation is taking place, Alex, you can back me up on this. The fact <laughs> nah, that the yeah, Alex is trying to back away. Right. Him in. No, 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 no. Now, the fact that these conversations are taking place makes somebody like my brother who watches all of these shows religiously because he's looking for face, you know, he's looking at football and basketball content, call me up and be like, yo, cheats, like, what's up with this guy that's hitting 30 and, you know, hitting 30 home runs and stealing 70 bases? How about that? And I'm like, and he, I know the only reason he saw it is because, you know, some football guy is, right. is, is took a took a break. You know However, what I mean? Took a break. No, but but it's but it, I I do think that the players are, are are getting really really cool. Like especially players that. And again, it's it's I, I do think that there is a. I think there's an influx of young black players, but I also think that there's, you know, a a, a turn towards culture, and black culture in a way that is a little bit from the players. Right. I mean, I, I think the league is doing their thing, but they're, whatever the league does as a turn to black culture is still going to feel corporate. Like the mm -hmm. organic part of this is the turn from Marcus Stroman and, and, and Hunter green and these guys that have, that have always been there and always been black, but now they're able to be like this, you know, you're, I'm bringing my culture with me. And I don't know if they, they've always done that for years past, but I know in 2023, I feel like I've seen it a lot more. Normalize blackness and you'll see us at our best. Thank you. And Thank you. At our best. Don't make us feel like that we have to hold our breath to be in the room. And and I think the game is in the clubhouse. Um, it's normalizing blackness, blackness a little bit more. The other thing, real fast, I know we're, we're up against it. I want to give a hat tip to those accounts that are doing a good job of presenting baseball in digestible little chunks. You're pitching ninjas your um, 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 uh, uh, John boys, like that's what makes basketball and football really pop on vehicles mm. like Twitter. Cespedes barbecue, what up? Cespedes barbecue, what up? On Instagram, like the ability to see. Clinton, Clinton Yates' Twitter page. Don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> stab, who is it? Stab, grab, stab, grab. What do you call it, stab. Yeah, there you go. Of, go. Hey, look. Been a part I'm of the program for a long I'm time. Glued okay. into, I'm glued into that. <laughs> this go is ahead. how I'm we sorry. run I'm this sorry. program. I'm All sorry. right, understand I'm that, glued you know. into the stab, grab, yep. <laughs> but when you could see, you know, a guy's fastball and change up overlaid and really get a scent, like, yep. and, it, and it takes 15 seconds, 18 seconds to watch. Instead of looking at a box score or watching a two two and a half hour instead of three hour long game, um, I, I think that's that's doing a lot to that's doing a lot to draw eyeballs to the sport in a way that resonates. Who should we be looking for? As as as, as in, in obviously we're going through this postseason, but who who's coming that gets you excited for our secret that you don't know? Tamar Johnson, you're familiar with his work. Of course, number four Let's overall draft. Say that he's been working out this fall with one of the black head coaches in college baseball at his facility. Just saying. Too bad he's in Pittsburgh. Just saying. That's where he's playing. That's the franchise ah, he's playing for. I, but you don't know who he's working out with. I know. 
You yeah, know. I, Everybody knows. I think you I know. know. I think I know. The brothers I, are helping the brothers. I, I think you know I just had them on the show not too long yeah, ago. Did you? Well, that's even better. You History know, so, maker? Um, say it again. History making head coach. History making head coach. Yeah, he's just um, on the show. If you so go back in the black baseball mixtape archives, you know, recent, recent archives. See, see recent how I do that for him. But uh, yeah, so Samara, that guy again. There's so many different guys, but I'm looking forward to him really getting onto the scene because he's like a normal sized human being that can just yeah. plain mash. He can he can rake. Who are you looking forward to? We got, we got robbed of an opportunity to see one of the most exciting pitchers uh, in deeper into the postseason this year. My boy Devin Williams over in Milwaukee. Yeah. Like the guy's a monster. Relief pitchers, closers. You know. My boy Diaz set the table, but like the entry music, it's WWE-esque, man. These guys coming out, they're bringing that excitement. They're all throwing 104 miles an hour with these crazy splitters and sliders. Like, it's crazy. But the guy, I will say. Gambio, the airbender. You didn't even name the pitch that he Yeah, the airbender. Evan's going to be mad at me if he's like, what you doing out here? Not even naming my pitches. We already had a discussion. Was anybody else? Clinton Yates probably was. Anybody else holding their breath when Tommy Fan? Tommy Pham and Devin Williams was squaring off in the ninth because I was like, "Don't, don't do this to me. Don't, this is personal." This okay, is first personal of all, situation. I talked to Tommy. I talked to Tommy after Game One of the Dodgers game. Tommy is a consummate professional, even Absolutely. when he gets out of bounds in some people's eyes. But Tommy, I'm happy for that guy, man. The oh, Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks have a nice little blend of veterans and rookies. Tommy's part of that veteran core in terms of. Um, you know, Longo and other guys that are sort of up there and have been on a couple teams. But, you know, Tommy gets a bad rep. All right. We no, like no, no. Tommy. I was saying it kind of like when the uh, Williams sisters square off in the finals. Yeah. When, when I was watching that ninth inning, I was like, why are they doing this to me? Right. I don't have a dog in this fight. I just don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't want anyone to get hurt. Tommy got that face that makes people nervous even when he's not mad. Yeah. That, that's what it boils down to. He just looked. No, he's an amazing story. He's an amazing. No, we gotta go. You can't. You can't be right. talking about that face. No, 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 you can't no. be talking about that face. We're getting into levels of discussion that we're not Gents. supposed to be talking about in public. Gents, <laughs> I got. I got two names for you. One that's already in the league debut this year that I really do. Uh, I'm excited for, and I think good things are going to come. Lawrence Butler out of Oakland. Oh yeah. That guy is, uh, he's got all the tools. Lawrence Butler, Butler from the Michael Harris, the second school of training, absolutely. Uh, the Hill Boys down there yep. in, and I mean to jump on you there, Chief. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, them boys are all from the same part of the country and same yep. part of town. They've been working out together for years. Yep. It's just a matter before El Butt gets up. No, absolutely great. You know, just astonishing talent. Um, maybe, no, this is the next guy might be a year away. But uh, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. We watch a lot of double-A baseball down here, and we saw a lot of James Wood. Oh, uh, yeah. And that guy. IMG kid that, from the area. National IMG, prospect, yeah. Yep. And he got all of the tools uh, and really can uh, really can rake, really can run. Like, really – I mean, he can do it all. And the one thing about James uh, that's interesting, and I, and I do think there's a lot of players, especially players that look like us, get kind of this perception – but everything with James is so fluid and so natural that people don't think he's trying hard. Bro, bro, the first time I saw James play, let me tell you something. The first time I saw James play, like like a live game, was the uh, perfect game All-American game in 2020, whatever the pandemic year was. It was in Oklahoma. And there's this kid, and I'm like, you're rather large, buddy. He's like, like six seven. 
And like, oh, yeah. you, no, but like you're 17. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And he just, and he would, he didn't, he didn't use any batting gloves. And yeah. he also like, he didn't look like he played organized baseball. And this <laughs> the, no, I'm serious. This was the PG all American. And he would just go pick up a bat and just launch it. And I was like, I, what yeah. i'm like you, you you literally look like you walked in off the street but your swing was it wasn't so natural that you were like can't believe it, it was just like okay i'm gonna try it now guys what do i do next bang you know what i'm saying and i was just like dude if this guy gets any all. level of instruction it's do it going all. to be incredible because the tools were bananas he came from img he's from the area he's from he's yep. from Bowie, i think um yep. and you know yeah that dude if you've never seen him play baseball you need to get out there to check him out because it's like something. It's it's unbelievable. It's like well, it's like if you imagine if James Earl Jones's character was a baseball player, <laughs> like that's what he that's what he'd be like power hitting left handed dude who's yeah, just like he's lefty. Yeah, yeah. This is it's nuts. last thing before we get out of here. Where are we on the St. Louis boys? We're talking Jordan Walker, Mason Wayne, Tink Hints. If you know the name Tink Hints, he's he's coming. Where are we with the St. Louis guys? Jordan Walker helped me win my chip because you didn't know how to manage <laughs> weakness system work, man. You don't know like you don't know how to manage fantasy. Fantasy baseball. He, he didn't funny. know how to manage. Jordan Walker was on my team. He had he a, we, have, team. we have a minor league slot. He got sent down and and, and yeah, Chief I released him. him. He released him. I said, yeah. Chief, you got him. You got it. Yeah. You got a minor league slot, but I, I the first, waiver claim I, it. I was a first timer in this league. Full disclosure. <laughs> I have now. I didn't even know yeah, there was I'm an IR. Where, where, really quick, where are we on the uh, St. Louis Bulls? Walker's legit, but I want to see the Cardinals continue to struggle. Yeah, well, I think the Cardinals, I said this on Baseball Tonight Live the other night, of all of the top five most disappointing teams in the bigs this year, I think the Cardinals will be the team that gets back first. Gets back first. Well, They look, do it. That's what they do. They, they, yeah, that's, exactly. They, that's what they do. No. They're organized. No. This, they've never been down like this in, in the no. past. No, so, so surprising, play. right. Yeah, no, and I and I do think we don't. The, the third name I mentioned that you don't hear a lot about is Hint, and I think it, he's gonna he's he's gonna he's gonna be a good pitcher. He's gonna be a good pitcher. So, gentlemen, as always, this has been fun, man. I really appreciate not only talking the game with you, but talking a little bit, sprinkling in a little bit of culture as always. So, make sure you follow them everywhere you can follow them quickly check Alex. out the espn daily podcast you wherever you thing. get the podcast it's, it's a, a thing. thing yeah today is also pub day release day for our homeboy jesse washington the rich oh, is that paul right? book oh, that yeah, came out today yeah the rich paul book that came out today uh assisted by our guy jesse washington so shout out to him on yeah. release day and uh yeah ladies and gentlemen until next time it is seven one uh, Lowe just hit a home run and put them back up. It's the end of six, and we are out. <laughs>